should you decide to accept it? Who knows? I mean, it, the unspoken half of your mission. Maybe you don't choose. Maybe you don't choose to accept that. It's a mission that brothers say is impossible. <laughs> right. Because <laughs> you're brothers. <laughs> Their heads are all so, choppable. So this week we're we're talking about Stone Temple Pilots' tiny music ellipses songs from the Vatican gift shop. Thir- their third album dropped in March of 1996. I am so stoked to talk about. It. I've been thinking about what I'm going to say all week. Maybe I'm Great. just bored and I don't have enough things in my life, but. I really just I'm so excited to talk about this record because I haven't I hadn't really listened to it or if I did I just don't remember sure um, I, I think yeah I think this falls into that category for a lot of people maybe except for me I listened to the shit out of it for years and years and honestly even not that many like two three years ago I was still listening to it at times like this one has just been a heavy rotation forever which is We'll get some different. Pers- I I wish I wish that I could start it fresh now, but too late. That ship has sailed. <laughs> I do want to add though. Yeah. This is something that I found pretty pretty hilarious. That when I did a little bit of digging into this, it was released one year after Pearl Jam's Ten, Nirvana's Nevermind, and Soundgarden's Bad Motor Finger. And at the time, I guess uh, a lot of people wrote them off as just hopping on that bandwagon. In 1994, there was a Rolling Stone poll, and the readers voted them best new band, but the magazine's critics actually simultaneously voted them worst new band. Oh, wow. (laughs) They definitely, like, a mixed bag from the critics, I feel like, is their, like, hallmark. This album in particular, right after it dropped, I think, the tour that they were supposed to do to support it got totally screwed up because Wyland got arrested and there was like rehab and stuff involved and they didn't get to properly tour in support of this album so I think that maybe it's a little maybe they got screwed over a little bit by that maybe a little bit of that could be attributed to the fact that it just dropped and then the support really wasn't the follow-up wasn't there through no fault of three quarters of their own so let me give a little let me take the listener back to 1996 and give a little bit of context 1996. I was 15. Ryan, you were 15. Jenny, you were 15, right? We were all 15. Jenny, you were 81? 81 or 82, Jenny? So in, in March of 96, I was in 14. March of 96, you were 14. That's we right. Were all 14. We were all 14. Okay. So I remember the first time I'd ever heard of Stone Tumble Pilots, and it was... They had that song, I think it's called Sex Type Thing. It was from Core, and it, they had a video, and it was Scott Weiland, basically, with no shirt on. And it sounded super grungy, like Pearl Jam. It was, like, so, like, to me, I put it in, like, the, just filed it under, like, Pearl Jam thing, essentially. And that's what it sounded like to me. It sounded like Pearl Jam if, like, Eddie Vedder decided not to wear, like, flannel or whatever, right? Decided not to wear a shirt, which I was just going <laughs> to say, has anyone seen Scott Weiland in a shirt? Yeah, on this record, if you look at all the videos, he actually does have shirts, mm-hmm. and there are like all these like weird, colorful, Britpop, like, psychedelic shirts. <laughs> yeah, I can't remember a live show where he had a shirt. If I've seen any kind of live performance, there was no. 
No, and so something I want to watch, something I want to watch in the after show is like they had a like a live, like a Rolling Rock day live at Latrobe. It's on YouTube, the whole concert, and it's like super cool. And it's from a little bit later, two thousand one, but it's like awesome. And basically, he just acts like a you know Mick Jagger esque lizard with no shirt on on stage, and it's pretty hilarious. Okay, so anyway, that's the first time I heard. Then they blew up with Purple, and I feel like Interstate Love Song just was everywhere. Vaseline, like oh, those songs are just like I don't know. Everyone that grew up around that time knows those songs. Did you have? I, I feel like I remember you having that record, Purple Ryan, or like the tape maybe. So I think I had the tape first, and then later the CD of Purple. I'm not sure whether I got my hands on Core prior to Purple. I don't recall. I think what happened is that I heard the single off of Core but didn't pick up the album and then purple hit hard and I picked up the album and then went back to core. I think that's probably my time frame. In 96, there was just like, there's a lot of stuff I was into. I was probably really super deep into pumpkins and nine Nails and stuff like that. But one of the things I think I remember is that you had this record and you would tell me how great it was. And for whatever reason, I never dubbed it or borrowed it from you. And so I remember, Ryan, you were talking about this record a whole bunch. You were, like, excited about it. And I knew that the song Trippin', that song uh, Trippin', et cetera, et cetera. The, the album. Right. They yeah. should just call well, it. Much like the album, it needed to be trimmed. It's a little talk suit from Scott Weiland. But yeah. Trippin', I remember Trippin' from, the, from, that was a big hit. I don't remember any of the other songs. I don't remember any of them. And there were two other singles that were apparently big hits. Don't remember them. Just I don't know. Wasn't paying attention. And so I deeply regret not listening to this album back then because I'm pretty sure I would have really liked it a lot. Because it didn't sound like Purple. And it's no diss on Purple. But to me, like, those first two records are, like, kind of vanilla, mainstream rock influenced by grunge. Yeah, they're a little grunge light in their worst moments, right? Right. It's very. Very, like, radio-friendly grunge is what it is. Right, right. right. It works as good pop music. There's a nice, like, blues route to the guitar work. But it is is also not challenging grunge music. So this is an interesting thing. Listening to the record, one of the things that stood out to me, and we can get into it a little more later, but was the bass lines. Like, you you can hear the bass lines in these songs in a way that just there's a lot of music from that time where the bass is, like, the shittiest guitar player plays the bass and you're just playing kind of the root or whatever and you're just whatever on on many of these songs you can hear the bass and it is it's cool you can hear it and you can hear that these are complex parts being played and so i was like i wonder if they were doing that before and if you listen to the beginning of interstate love song listen to it very carefully and listen to the bass line it is like a jazz player playing it's like it's someone playing on upright bass is what I thought. Like, it's not just the root. Yeah. It's really cool. And and so then I started reading about the DeLeo brothers and, like, how respected they are as, like, musicians and, like, their influences and all that. And, like, everyone associates STP with Scott Weiland because he's a magnetic personality and all that stuff. And he had all the, the drug addiction stuff. But the core and the heart of their music is the DeLeo brothers. And the playing yeah. on here was way better than I ever even knew. Like, I, I didn't associate that high level of playing with them. Yeah, so... I think they have um, a good time. Yeah. 
Robert DeLeo is, he's the bass player, and he actually, of like, of Purple and of, I think, Purple and Core between those two, and obviously looking at the, the Tiny Music list, like, a lot of those two, he wrote the, he writes the vast majority of all their music. Like, the vast majority is, is the bass player. He's writing it all, and he, I think that between him, he actually has more traditional jazz and, like, other types of music it that's like his roots and that's like where he pulls a lot of his influence from so things like and so i know the lines in that are a hundred percent him like he's actually bringing in all of that stuff and it's he's doing most of the heavy lifting on it honestly it's yeah. like unusual because you don't see that very often for the bass player to be carrying no there was like less claypool back in the day yeah. there was like there was there was Primus, and there were, and then there were like really groovy, like more either new metal or like rap metal, whatever you want to call bands, where like that was like a really important part. But I feel like most of the bands with the STP kind of sound, with the grunge or whatever you want to call it, alternative, whatever the hell you want to call it, sound, that was just it like faded into the background. There's one Nirvana song that I can think of that has like a bass line that's like really cool. And it's yeah. on Nevermind, Ryan. I don't know if you remember the name of the song. It's like, it starts off with a bass solo. What's the name of that song? That's that's the only that's the only song I can think of where I'm just like, wow, that's cool. Like, hey, bass player. No diss on Novoselic. I'm sure he's awesome and talented, but I just feel like they just fade into the mix more often than not. Where with these songs, we're gonna there's a couple songs we're gonna put on where, like you can hear the bass line and it sounds really cool and it adds something and it just doesn't fade into the background. So anyway, just in terms of context, like I think STP was just a band that people liked, kid, people my age liked. They were, it was cool, they were popular. I don't think anyone had problems with them. Of course, like maybe critics thought they were just kind of middle of the road and whatever, but I think this record was the record that they were trying to expand beyond the sound that they had been pigeonholed in. And so they were trying to do different things. And honestly, that I'm sure that would have appealed to me back then. So I regret, Ryan, not listening to you, barring the record, dubbing it or whatever, because um, I'm you know, sure I, it would have added. I, I feel vindicated. Um, <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think I really, I dug this album really hard. And one of the articles that uh, we were passing around opened with talking about the, there being like some shame associated with liking Stone Temple Pilots. I think maybe that was occurring in places where we weren't, where maybe there was a better yeah. selection of music, but what we had available, there wasn't really any shame, but I definitely feel like my love for this album was validated through Toma, who like my taste, like kind of jived anyway but at some point i don't know when i discovered that you liked this album maybe more than i did but it was at least as much okay good all right like i'm not crazy i'm doing it right I yeah <laughs> i haven't had some strange aneurysm that yeah. like has made me like a thing that no one else sees yeah it's, yeah and then, so i was gonna say that like you you talk about the DeLeo Brothers, like the tone of this album definitely seems to dial back the, the gain and fuzz and dial in that like reverby, loungy, like jazz chord 
and then it drops into these like heavy blues solos. The first track on my EP, just having a brain fart on names, Tumble in the Rough. Yeah. There's a moment in Tumble in the Rough where the guitar solo begins and then it drops into this like Doors style keyboard sound coming out of the guitar that continues through the return to the chorus and then comes back into a guitar solo. Like it gets this really like organ type quality. I don't have the time signature, but yeah, this, this hits, this punches so hard. Like it has the perfect like Stone Temple Pilots groove that happens like to start, but then it gets this like heavy, yeah, steady so- beat. This song reminds me of Blur. So there's a bunch of songs on here that remind me of like Britpop bands from the 90s. Yeah, I feel like they were like this album. So the album cover catches your eye because it looked like like <laughs> photography from the background shoot of like Black Hole Sun. <laughs> Black Hole Sun, that's totally right. <laughs> and, and then yeah, there's so many like great punchy STP songs. I trimmed the shit out of this for my EP, mm-hmm. but in the end, like everything I cut off is still a fantastic song. Like, like but- this, they're at like their perfect STP groove on this album because it's not trying to be another sound. It's not trying to be psychedelic grunge. It's kind of loungy and pop. Yeah, it's good, dude. I, I this did not make my cut, but I really dig it. It, it has a lot of attitude. It's a yeah, and it's I a super like, different sound for them. Like they just didn't do this yeah. kind of thing before. Yeah, and I felt like it really made that statement. Like, like starting my EP starts with this because it has that hard groove that I really grew to love in like other bands as well kind of like desert rock groove is in this dude in that's a great that's a great call I you know I hadn't even thought of it but like I'm thinking like Caius and yeah Queens of Stone Age totally this like is those like guys predis- are more yeah. dialed down a little bit than this this is like more produced than a lot of that but that same groove so this solo that's a great solo the end of this solo is it's like it's like it, the instrument changes and then James that's see now that you say it, I think about Queen's Stone yes. Age, early two thousands, like Rated R, or what's the record after Rated R? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That, so, yeah, to me, like, there's a ton of overlap there too. I didn't even put that together. Um, there's just something perfect about the rock in this. But like in this moment, Dean DeLeo's guitar sounds like a keyboard, and then it drops back into this blues guitar. It's such a beautiful solo. Like yeah. just to like. I, now you're making me second guess. You're making me second guess now. Not so this good. Thing so well, <laughs> the thing about this album is that it's very hard. If you really try, it's hard to like really be like, okay, I could lose that one, but then you're like, oh, but it's so. It, it's got this thing. I struggle. I had that struggle with all of them. I tried to cut. I tried to picture like my perfect, like infinite repeat cut of this album and trimming it down to five tracks was certainly hard 
but I also felt there was some overlap in other tracks. Yeah. So Big Bang Baby, it didn't make my cut. It's not a bad song, mm -hmm. but I felt like it sits in the same space as Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart. Huh. I like felt they like kind of. Go ahead. No, no. I was just saying they have that. They embody that, that same Stone Temple Pilots core pop sound. That's a little drunk, a little grunge, and very bluesy. Yeah, I, I felt like this song occupies the same. This song occupies the same space as Big Bang Baby. That's why I think I had to cut one of them, yeah. just because I felt like yeah. there was like a, a ton of overlap with what yeah. they were trying to do. Which is I went the sound. And for me, this was like this was the one that that stayed of that pair. Yeah, I I really so like the singles from this album, in order, right? Big Bang Baby. Tripping on a Hole in a Paper Heart, Lady Picture Show. None of them bad. Big Bang Baby, kind of the worst of all those for me. Just the most kind of vanilla Stone Temple Pilot. Yeah. Yeah. No, well, I think it's, look, it's, a, it's an awesome choice. I, feel, I, I now regret I left it off. Like, what the fuck? Okay. <laughs> all right. What's your, Jenny, do you have anything to add here? We, I was thinking we could go to Ryan's next one. It, dep it depends on <laughs> what folk, like, I'm ready to defend Big Bang Baby, but I don't know if that's really where we are right now. <laughs> okay, let's go to, well, yeah, why, why I, say, I say we allow that to happen, because I'm certainly not trying to attack it, but Oh, like, sure, sure, yeah. sure. Dude, there's one song on this record I don't like. All the other ones I like, so there's yeah. only one on this record that I don't like. All the other ones I like, I, so I it was just maybe, hard. Maybe it would be an easier discussion to say which ones we don't like. Because <laughs> even, yeah. see, see, you guys, like, are basically like, I like most of them, but I still trimmed, even though the others were good. And yeah. I was like, I was looking at it more from a, how, if I was really asked, oh, like, you don't like that song that much? I was like, the answer is no, I love it. Like, that's a great song. <laughs> so I wouldn't be able to justify Sure. Sometimes you have to. Sometimes yeah, you have to. Sometimes you have to make hard decisions, Jenny. I know, sometimes I know. You, you just. Yeah. If I had to cut it down to a similar like six songs, I could. And oh. but I will just say that Big Bang Baby get where you're coming from with that. It does share. I think it does occupy the same general sonic space as the other one, but. It has, one of my favorite parts of that song has always been the the harmonizing, like where they're doing like the singing. Yeah. That, that's actually the part of it I like the most. And I think that one does it better than the than any of the other songs as far as like getting that. It's just, a, it's a little piece of it that I love and I have always loved the beginning. I could trim the beginning if I had to and I'd miss it, but it'd be fine. But that part, I really like. So, yeah. I want to highlight a song that's on all of our lists. It made yeah. the cut on all of our EPs, which yeah. is the big single. Because how could you not, right? Yeah. Tripping on a hole in a paper heart. So it's funny because, it's okay, for me, when I was re-listening to it, I was like, so the main riff is, like, boring? It's like, it's okay. It's fine. The chorus is so good. It's so good, it's so epic, it's so F you, like, I'm not dead and I'm not for sale. Every yeah. little teenage part of me that's just fucked the world is 1,000% on board. So this, that's actually, that talks about, like, you, you mentioned something that I think in their most, like, 
and I'm gonna say radio friendly, but what I mean is like consumable, like easily like introductory Stone Temple Pilots moments. Like in their most approachable songs, they have this perfect understanding of, okay, we're in a verse, Scott's lyrics are like essentially like metaphor after metaphor, like just like <laughs> weird poetry, like yeah, word yeah. soup. So everything gets dialed back. And yeah, in the verse of this song, it's just the riff is like primarily mute. It's like a percussive verse with a couple like short chords thrown in between. And then the, it hits the verse and there's just these layers and depth and yeah. I love the guitar yeah. solo. I love this part right here. I'm gonna put the volume up, guys. Yeah. Do you hear that weird synthesizer? I'm such a sucker for like a cool synthesizer in a song, in a rock song. Yeah. Probably why I like the car. Yeah. So, so this is my second track. So for me, it was like when I'm when I was thinking about this album, I wanted like a hard, different Stone Temple Pilots to start. I wanted like the classic radio Stone Temple Pilots track to follow it, which tripping on all on paper art is, is that for me. Yeah, yeah. Depth, their perfect talent. The next track on my cut is Art School Girl, which is very left field for everything they've done up to this point. <laughs> Has like a ween feel. It feels like a ween track a Okay, bit. all right, so Ryan, this is the one song I don't like, like on this record. This is the one. Great. <laughs> this is the one. So I was waiting for this. Okay. I do I hear the Ween vibes for sure. Sure. Is Stone Temple the Stone Temple Pilots occupy the same space in my brain as Ween in any way whatsoever? <laughs> like absolutely not. And I am a Ween super fan. So like sure. absolutely not. They're in completely STP is probably yeah. maybe over here and I don't know. Anyway, it's not an offensive song. It's just whatever to me. Like, the lyrics are whatever, right? Like, all right, he's got a girlfriend. <laughs> she goes so to art school. Yeah. <laughs> It'll be unsurprising, probably, that this is uh, this is the sweater song of the album for me. For sure. Um, <laughs> but, but. Fuck. It does. Do you have... I, I do have a special place in my heart for it, though. I still enjoy it. The core. It is actually. It is, no, you're right. It's dumb as fuck. I will give you that. Yeah. But I still put it on, and I'm still just like, who the fuck even knows what the hell? I love the I love the way that they bring the guitar in is like a tape coming up to speed. That immediately sets the tone for me. Is yeah, we're not taking this like a serious career move, and it's so much fun. Every. I have this on. It's one of those ones where I'm just like, you know, it's a other song. Like, I really can't tell if you're even being serious right now. And something, of, something about, like, the fact that they were just like, you know what, just fuck it. I don't know. I love it. I love it. Well, this is, I, I love the, like, twang he gets in, like, his voice when he's like, this is one of those dumb songs that I'm like. I like if I'm in a dumb happy mood, I will probably walk through the house singing it. Yeah. I also love the complete left turn of the chord. Dude, the, the like, chorus. The chorus. Is, okay, yeah. This is where I have to. This, this is where I have to diverge. Chorus is like dissonant in a bad way to me. Kill it. It was just in like it's. Way? It's just. It's just. It's. I don't. There. It's not even a chorus. Yeah. <laughs> like, 
it's it's just and it's cool look i'll give them credit for trying something different like most of their songs aren't like exactly like freewheel like happy freewheeling whatever i give them credit for that um, but your criticism of this part is valid. It just grates on my. It just grates on my ears. This couple little bit is just like the line. Yeah, well, it's but like they ran out I of love ideas. This part. this part, it just brings it way back around. I don't know. It's, it, it's my sweater song. This Good. song plays in a lot of fun places for me. Yeah. yeah. Like, this is, and for me, like middle of the EP, like it's like uh, time for a little kind of fun space. Like, we've done the heavy stuff and the heavy tier. See, let me make a baseball metaphor here, Ryan. First two songs you threw, fastball down the middle, strike one. Fastball maybe low and outside, but still a strike two. Okay. This one is the curveball that fucking bounces to the backstop. And everyone's, okay, what what the fuck, what just even happened there? The ball just like flew in the air. For me, it doesn't do that. Listen, (laughs) like... Listening to these tracks in order makes perfect sense. Okay. So, That's I, why I didn't, I didn't change the order. I just took two yeah. out. Got it. it. No, okay. Hey, look. Hey, man. Agree to disagree. And I love this record. And again, I, you I, you should be validated because I would have loved this record growing up. This one. And I listened to this record 10, 10 times. 10 times, like at least probably this week. This one, I wanted it to grow on me because I wanted to say there's not a bad song on this album. I just didn't, I, it just, it hasn't yet. Maybe I need to listen to it five or maybe even four times. Yeah, more no, times, it, yeah. There's, or there's more. nothing to that song except like just dumb kind of happy pop music for me. And the dissonant chorus is still dumb happy dissonance. Like I, it's not dissonant enough for me to be like this is experimental and changing the shape of music but it's yeah it's a confusing song to play in and i think they did a great job with it so immediately after that i've got this so for me this is like that i think like teenage sappy forlorn me probably listened to this song a thousand times just so so perfect it like it feels like sitting on the back porch staring at the stars. Like, this is like a great little, yeah, pensive track. Can, can I say, Jenny, this is the record's Freebird. Yeah. This is the Freebird of the record. I think you're totally right. And I would have loved this song in that time growing up. I definitely would have. I would, I love like some sad, like depressed songs back, back then. That. And the other cool thing about it is this is straight up about his heroin addiction, right? Like, there's just no confusing yeah. any of it. Like, he doesn't even, most of his, like, lyrics are, you also, can make what you will. Also, it ends with a, what is that instrument at the end? I'm, I'm not sure I could say definitively. You know what I'm talking about? It sounds like a, like a trumpet or something. Yeah, I think it's a, either yeah, coronet, so, a coronet or a trumpet so, so or something. It is, a, it is a trumpet. It's the additional personnel credits that is as Dave Ferguson. Oh. Uh, and he is playing trumpets. It's, it's it doesn't. I don't know what key the trumpets in. I give maybe like an off variation trumpet that's not your standard key. But yeah, yeah. I was but thinking yeah. maybe. I was thinking maybe because it's high. Like I was thinking maybe like a coronet or like a what's a euphony, euphonium? Right? Like, like I mean, you know. If that had showed up in any of these other songs, I would have been like, what the actual fuck? But here, I was yeah. like, no, no, that's, that's fine. That's where that And belongs. again, this is the lounge act, right? Mm-hmm. Like, you can mm-hmm. see this being played, like, lounge act style, and 
just a sad guy in a dusty suit playing a trumpet. Yeah, this is a perfect little so, track. I couldn't. So there yeah. are others that ride this vibe. I felt, and so I know rides this vibe a little bit. Yeah, Seven Cage, Seven Cage Tigers, I think, like has this similar vibe. Yeah, I feel Seven Cage Tigers is a little bit more upbeat than this is on its own. But yeah, this is the perfect like forlorn kind of palate cleanser. I, I dude, this was it ended my my EP cut. This is the yeah, last. that's a really good way to end. Yeah, and I just felt, what, what else are you going to say after this? Yeah. I feel like it took a lot of the ideas in the record and combined them. I feel like it, I feel like he was in, he, he left for rehab, like, on the tour, six weeks into the tour off of this album. Which is why I didn't, I think it probably underperformed because they weren't touring so hard on it. Because he was in rehab. And then, rest in peace, Scott Wilde died five years ago in OD, and he just was never able to get out from under the shit. And it's definitely yeah. sad. It was one of those things that you were like, at any moment when you were listening to Stone Temple Pilots after they came out, before he died, there was always that check, where like you're into the album for a couple of days and you're like, I haven't heard anything out of Scott Weiland for a little while. Maybe I should see if he made it through his last bout. And yeah, eventually it just didn't happen. Yeah, yeah. And so, I don't know, to me, this is like maybe one of the most personal songs he actually ever wrote. Or at least he was part of. I guess he co-wrote it with, with Robert DeLeo. But, and I assume he wrote the lyrics. But in, in any case, like, to me, a lot of this, their songs are like word soup and like cool imagery and metaphors and, and like very poetic. This song is about as close to being just very straight up about addressing like the shit yeah. that he would go through. But it's vague enough that the emotion that it conveys like just fits right into your life in a snug place. Maybe not a happy place, but like a snug, content little, you know what, it's cool, I'm gonna be pensive in this moment and yeah. just let it roll through. Yeah, it's definitely- and, and this yeah. ending, this like, the way that this breaks down before the trumpet is yeah. just, it's beautiful. It's a beautiful song, man. Yeah. To me, like, it's if someone asked me, like, basically from now on, hey, I want to get into Stone Temple Pilots, I don't know if that's likely, but if someone asked me, I'd probably recommend this song. This is, like, one of maybe yeah. three, abs like, total absolute favorites for me on the record. And then, so for, yeah, for me, this track, that track goes into Seven Cage Tigers, or caged tigers if we're trying to keep up with the right syncopation with our lyrics because um, nobody you couldn't convince me he says that in conversation ever there's no way when scott wyland uses ed at the end of a word he says caged like I, I think it'd be funny to imagine that it would be funny <laughs> but like for me this track is that same lounge feel like, it takes the perfect Stone Temple Pilot sound, brings it down just a little bit more, and it feels like an acceptance that this is where we are now, this is the kind of music we wanted to make on this album, and it may never happen again, but this is what we want this to feel like. So, you like, know, Ryan, you just made me think of something. Just, by the way, shout out to Jay, James, and 
Terran who are all in the stream in the chat. Super awesome. Um, Thanks for joining us, guys. Uh, uh, on about an album you don't remember. No, this is like one of Jay's favorites. So two things, like two things nice. that I thought was hilarious. Two things that was funny as hell. It just makes me feel so fucking cold. Was like Jay was like this was like my one of my dad's like favorite records. I'm like, oh fuck me. <laughs> I'm fucking bit. fucking it's, old. It's bound to happen. <laughs> then the other piece was. Like, I think he mentioned, like, for him, like, what he loves is just, there's just, it's, it's a great, like, great rock band from that, that time, good sound, they really experimented with this record, but, like, what he said was, like, there's a little bit of that fuck you attitude, like, in, in a lot of these songs, and for me, it's so true, and this is another one where it's sad, but the vibe is definitely a little, like, it's a little kiss off, like, fuck you, in some ways, and, and there's something really appealing about the confidence of that funny yeah. how often these guys get credited as being like the radio grunge act and still pull off like a fuck you that feels legitimate yeah it doesn't feel like manufactured and maybe a lot of critics don't feel like it's a deserved like position that they would have but it feels genuine when you listen to it and i feel like that's the part that's always appealed to me with stone temple pilots is that there's emotion, there's like poetic abstraction, there's just a little bit of anger, and all of it really comes together nicely, at least for the first few albums. Yeah. I can't say I listened to the next, but two, there were two after this. I think I two, I two was listen, Scott Weiland, yeah. Yeah, I, I can't say I listened to those much at all. This is where I drop off for Stone Devil Pilot yeah. in my regular listening, but so, this is... This is a perfect album. This is another song. This is another album song where the bass line, like I, I had it on my little bows yeah. or whatever, I was just working on the porch. You could just hear those, just on this part right here, like the bass thing. It's so cool. Jenny, what, what do you got? Oh, you want me to go through my cuts now? Well, do you have anything specific about this song or? Yeah, this right here is my favorite part, actually. Time, coincidentally, time. Cool. Nice. I, it's a very random, yeah, no, y'all don't have to, to back me up on No, it's yeah. cool. I love this. One of the, I think that the only reason, if, it, if this weren't here, I would 100% insist that it end at the end of Adhesive, but I almost have a tough time between this ending, Adhesive's ending, which is, they're both, like, perfect for this, but I do love this part. But I think that I was just going to add that it's a very interesting mix that you have between Robert and Dean because Robert has like his jazz and bossa nova like bass lines that he's always like bringing into the bass but Robert has his guitar playing is very much centered in the 60s 70s rock and you hear his guitar always has that other side of the spectrum that's coming they're like doing it from both ends and I think that's a really good example in this song yeah, but, dude, they're, they're, I, I think you said it perfectly. Like, their interplay, that guitar solo might be my favorite guitar solo in the whole record. Great. Love the guitar solo, it's so beautiful. I'm going to start playing your first track, which is okay. the first track of the record. So, I, in my defense, I, I will say... <laughs> you don't need to defend yourself. All, we're all, fr we're all friends here. This is awesome. So, I'm not defending my love of this little vignette, but I will say yeah. that it is... Of all the albums that I could think of, and I tried to think about this earlier, the little vignettes and like these little like snippets that they have in between songs, I can't think of a single other album that I actually listen to all of them and I don't skip them. 
when this album is on, I listen to this, I listen to Daisy, I listen to the little bits at the end, like mm -hmm. all of them, because they're all so good. And I really can't say that. There are you know, other albums that have these kind of little bits, like I'm usually just, oh, this is fine, but I'm skipping it. And I leave this on every single time. And I think it's like such an interesting, like, mood setter to open this because think about it you just got done listening to core and purple for years and then you were like oh new stuff pilot stone temple pilots and you put this on and immediately they're like we would just like to inform you that this shit's a little different just to let you know like yeah. that that yeah. to me we is... got some jazz funk a little bit and we brought it to this open yes i'm with you in that it's the perfect opener the only reason it didn't make my cut is that when I realized what my five tracks were, I had a hard time fitting that that oh, yeah. track and Daisy into my cut. Totally. Um, this... and, and Press Play is like a perfect instrumental track on an album that really didn't need any, but mm -hmm. is fantastic. So you know what this reminded me of? Do you guys remember the Air album Moon Safari? Yeah. Um, there's a, a French band from the 90s and 2000s. And uh, they had this record, Moon Safari. It was like pretty big for a French record. I think it was actually known in the states. Although I didn't really listen to it until I got to college. I think probably '99 or something. I think like. the Virgin Suicides did a lot for like people paying attention to Air. Mm. Like the people that were paying attention to that movie backtracked into some beautiful Air music. Yeah. But yeah, I can see that a lot. Yeah, that like heavy bassy like jazz sound yeah like lounge jazz it. sound like yeah. we'll, we'll listen to it in the after party see, see what you guys think but yeah. Uh, yeah it's a cool it's a cool song to me it's a cool song I think I think like you were getting at Jenny if you had listened to Core and Purple and then you put this shit on and you're like wait wait, wait what, did I put something in wrong or something yeah. or okay so track two in your cut Pops Love Suicide I like this one I will say that if I were making a hard cut and I had to get rid of a couple songs, that this would go, in fairness. It, it's um, it's one I really like, number one, because of the beat. It's this has such a, like, a solid, like, ongoing beat to it that I can just throw it on while I'm, like, doing things, like, cooking or whatever, and it's, like, really, like, good to work to because it's so consistent. But what I think is most most noticeable about the song for me, even now, as many times as I've heard it, um, is how it takes a very hard, maybe not hard, it takes a moderate turn from you've just listened to press play and then you're like, wait, what? And now you get into this and you're like, oh no, wait, this is so simple pilot. But then they take a little like turn into something very Beatles-y towards the end of the song. And it starts, you start getting like hand claps, you start getting like harmonizing. And the Beatles vibe that's in the latter half of it I think is what I find hard to get rid of. There are a lot of songs in here where I was like, I could lose the first or second half of this, but I could <laughs> yeah. not part with this one little nugget. So I think, I, maybe I'm wrong, music nerds correct me in the chat. I think the beginning part is in 12.8. Yeah, oh yeah, yeah, that part, yeah, yeah. I really don't know, yeah, that's from, what's that song called? Yeah, in any case. Yeah. I, th I think, so there's some interesting things going on here. Again, I like the song. I feel like, for me, I probably didn't include it in my cut just because I felt like there was some overlap there with Big Bang Baby. And, like, I wanted to try and, I don't know, just kind yeah, of balance it Yeah, if I were being honest, maybe I should go through and strike, like, the three I would have lost if someone forced me to do it, which you didn't. <laughs> okay, we talked about, why don't we talk about Big Bang Baby? 
because we haven't talked right. about that one. Yeah, so let's see here. Big Bang Baby. That was the set. Was that, Ryan, was that the second single? So Big Bang Baby was the first single. It was the first single. Tripping on a hole in the paper, on a, in a paper heart is the second. So, but we're, we'll watch the music video in the, in the after show. This music video was made for no more than $12. Yeah, <laughs> the most expensive in this that isn't an instrument is the amount of white paint they had. That little yeah, digital, also, that kiss that went like that, the little kiss graphic or whatever. They just okay, and that's about it. And it was the '90s, and prices were indeed low, so I could almost buy twelve dollars. You know, <laughs> hashtag, you know. I could totally shoot this with my limited knowledge and equipment. I'm sure I could shoot a video like this for a band if they really wanted. It's just it's just a couple of some camera angles and a white background. That's about it. No, okay. See, I'm telling you, Scott Wallen, by the way, in the video, no, he's got a shirt on. He does. He does the shirt on. It seems like the kind of shirt that maybe came from wardrobe because they were like, no, Scott, you're gonna have to like, wear something. We're gonna have to put something on this. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I will also say that the first little bit of this, like these riffs. These are fine. I'm fine with them. I like them. But like most other songs, the part I really love about it is in the second half. It's like repetitive. And it's a good groove, but it's repetitive. And when they start doing, actually probably right here, I think. But So one of the lines in the chorus yeah. I really love is like... That's it. Oh, this, this is this harmonizing. Part. I love this. And I will sing it anytime it comes on. I will sing it really loudly. Even if like Chris is, I just will. Because <laughs> I love it. It is a good, that is a really um, cool, good part. I love how little consideration was put into the drummer's shirt for putting <laughs> these, like, graphics over. Yeah. Close-up, it's not bad. It has an interesting effect, but it's pretty funny. Okay, I mean, for yeah, for me, this is, like, one of their things, right, where the chorus is, the verse is fine, it's cool, but then the chorus is, like, fucking beautiful. And then, like, the line in the chorus so I want to cry, but I got to laugh, it is, like, their whole thing, man. Like, it's their whole, like, fuck you. I don't know. Of the songs like it, this is the one I included in my cut because I felt like... I think it's the catchiest one. It's got this kind of Beatles-y harmonizing part. Uh, I really like the chorus. And then when you play the music video, like, it's so cheaply made. It's like they got, like, their little cousin or something to make it, and, and it gives it some charm to me. It's so, like, like adorable to see them young and not before in the before times i yeah. guess the before before times <laughs> so you, you cloud, At cloud atlas is that what you're like <laughs> it's like you know pre -pre before they before they broke up three separate times it was yeah. like this is when things were simple and rob and scott were just harmonizing like a, a cute little bunch of dudes cute. yeah yeah anyway okay all well, right so we've covered let's see we've covered those we've covered that oh so Ride the cliche is what yeah, we Yeah, ride the cli ride the cliche. This was on my I feel like this one. Cut. Listen. This was not one of the ones that was like one of my immediate favorites. Like that when I first started listening to this album, it was like Big Bang Baby and like Trippin' on a Hole in a Paper Heart. Like those were like the ones that grabbed me right away. But this one has grown on me so much over the years that like this whole yeah. like the way that and this is the baseline, Alonzo, which is saying, like, this is one of them where, even though the overall vibe right here is very basic, if you listen to that bass, it's all over the place underneath. So this song reminds me a little bit of 
Oasis, definitely maybe era. I could hear that a little bit. And I think the chorus is really strong and as usual. I think it's one of their more interesting verse riffs. I like his singing on here. It's a little bit different than what he's typically doing, sustaining those like notes. Yeah. Which is pretty cool. James, like, a little Jane's addiction y, maybe? Yeah. The guitar solo that comes into this is also one of my very favorite very parts. Cool. Very cool. It's yeah. very Beatles very like something. I love it. But. Yeah, it's a really good choice for sure. And, and you're right, like the vocals that sustain as compared to Big Bang Baby, Big Bang Baby feels like you're like, it sings to you like it's drunk. Like it yeah. has oh, this yeah. drunken master like wobble <laughs> through the whole thing where it's it's like a perfect understanding of the balance it has to do, but it knows that it has to be a little off kilter. I do love this guitar solo, it's really cool. Um, yeah, like you can hear like the bass and the guitar are doing like literally this on opposite ends. Dude, that's going on all the time with these guys. And again, like if I there's know. one like present silver lining of listening to this thing so many times, it's like understanding that's actually been going on for the life of the band, essentially. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Oh, yeah. And this solo is very Jimmy Page. Like, to listen to it, that sounds like straight up a Les Paul guitar. That is a, that is a Jimmy Page, Led Zeppelin-style guitar solo. Maybe a little less intricate, but the tones are perfect on Jimmy Page. Yeah. Yeah, I was thinking that voice song Supersonic. I was thinking that there's like a little bit of overlap there. Just like the sustained... But yeah, anyway, I dig it. This is a good. This is a great song on, on the record to me. Yeah. It made my cut too. And then the last one I had that we haven't talked about it's is Daisy. Daisy, which is just another one of those little vignettes. But I do. So Daisy is actually that's a great lead into my cut because oh, right. that is track right. one. Nice. That's track I feel like one I have less cut. work to do now because you kind of. <laughs> that's track but one. But I don't have to work as hard. No, there's no what work a transition. Here. Okay, well, I, I picked the song as my first track because I think this is, to me, my favorite of the two instrumentals. It sounds like a French pop song from the 60s. Which it, really, sounds, it sounds like my Michelle, right? It sounds like Michelle, which was basically like yeah. a takeoff of like, like, it could be like a Serge Gainsbourg song or something like yeah. 60s, 50s, 60s French. It sounds great. It's beautiful. It's pretty. And to me, it's okay. If I'm hearing this song first, I'm getting the same effect as press play. Yeah. It's just like, oh, wait, what? Like, this is this is an interstate love song. Yeah, you're like sex type thing, Vaseline, <laughs> what? But it's really cool. It's a really pretty little song, and it's just it's to me, it's like it kicks off the thing by saying, yes, we're gonna fuck around, we're gonna experiment, we're gonna try different things. Um, so, this yeah. is actually Robert DeLeo playing the guitar. This is not a Dean DeLeo guitar piece. This is Robert DeLeo stepping away from bass. Because there's, 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 playing there's two guitars. Yeah, they're playing the guitar. rhythm, right? Playing the rhythm. Yeah. Just the... Playing the rhythm. They're, they're both really incredible musicians, but one thing that I've really been impressed by the more I read about it is just like how much of this is just Robert, you know, like, like putting everything together. And Dean's an incredible guitarist, but I think that doing so much of the lifting that I would not have guessed, but it's just, it's blowing my mind enough that I'm bringing it back up a second time at least. So there's that. Sure. And the other thing is like, when you look at the producer on, this is Brandon O'Brien producing this album. 
you look at his credits and he is on pretty much everything you were listening to in the 90s and a Jayhawks album. (laughs) That's super random. Yeah. Yeah, he was on every, he did all the STP records, right? He did all the STP records. He did, he was, he did mix on Super Unknown. He was producer engineer for Vitalogy and Versus. Yeah. uh, And mixer on 10. He mixed Temple of the Dog. He, he was the engineer for Blood Sugar Sex Magic. Like, yeah, all that he makes did sense. <laughs> Matthew Sweet. He produced Neil okay. Young's Mirror Ball. Wow. Yeah, this guy this guy was all he was over busy. the shit you were listening to in the nineties. Right, right. He was busy. Okay. So yeah. next on my thing is tripping on a hole. Okay, cool. Track three. The song that didn't make the cut for you guys, the other single on uh, the record. Lady Picture Show. Okay, when I was listening to it probably the first couple times, for me, this was the song that stood out because this just didn't sound like anything I'd ever heard them do, like at all. Is it this, I think on the record it's what, track four or track five? Track four maybe? So I think it's like press play. On the record it is. Press play. Oh, the thing. It's the song. Is it four? track five. Okay. So it's okay. So you have the instrumental, the weird instrumental at the beginning. Then you have three songs that kind of sound a little bit alike, or at least have a lot of overlap. And then this song, which to yeah. me is doesn't sound like a, if the Beatles did like a, it like Britpop Beatles sort of thing going it's, on. It's very Baroque. Yes. Like, and and you had the video up earlier, and the video yeah. makes a lot of sense for it. Yeah, and so I love the chorus. I love the like. To me, this is one of the more interesting verse, the chorus, and him his singing on the chorus is, is brilliant. I love the solo. I love the bridge. Yeah, there's the like solo. The tone on the solo is fantastic. Yeah, don't let the fact that this didn't make my cut. Yeah. Uh, convince you that I don't like this song. I love this song. For the longest time, this was the song that kind of made me reckon with this album being so different than all the other Stan Temple Violets albums. Um, I'm saying just because, yeah, it's, it's very different. You should have played this song for me. If you would have played the song for me, I would have totally listened to this. I'm sure. I could not have ignored this one. I I can't imagine I didn't. Yeah. Uh, it's kind of sad, but, you know, but that, that, that reflects yeah. poorly on me and trying to throw the blame on you. I know, you're trying to... Re- yes, it's my fault. <laughs> so, it's all my fault. Yeah, so... <laughs> that's what I do. Actually, really, it, it, the victim blaming would be us telling you this is your problem, because you're the real victim. <laughs> I am the real... I am the real, the real victim. victim. I could have used this music. It would have helped me, I'm sure. To help, it would have fanned the flame, but it would have It would have also been a bit of a sap. It would have been... That's what I'm saying. It would have helped me, I think. I honestly can't believe that you didn't hear this because my whole recollection of this album at first is that this is the only song that I was ever MTV just had this running like 24 7. I don't remember this at all. And I didn't actually, this song is is fine, like it's not a bad song, but it's not my favorite either. So it wasn't until I actually went through the whole CD that I was like, oh, hold on a second, there's great stuff in here. Also, here's another thing just to add, okay, I was reading a little bit about the lyrics. Apparently it's about like the gang rape and trauma of a a dancer. And so that kind of added this like dark element to it. Which was like, and fair, forlorn sort fair, of element. It, ex- 
explains the dark element. There's no, there's no way you listen to this and it's like a boppy. Exactly. No, no, you're right. Out the gate. Right. That yes. There's a, the yes. It's not that. But to me, like the contrast in some ways, like made sense and gave it a little more depth and explained maybe a little bit some of the forlorns. This isn't like a super happy whatever for sure. It is love, very love Beatles esque though. Like it, it has that like you were saying. It has that Beatles sound to it. Mm-hmm. If yeah, I was doing karaoke to one song, I, I don't know. That's that's George Harrison guitar right there. That little bit. That's yeah, because the fellows in the chat are talking about how this was on Guitar Hero, or not this one, but really? but Trip Trippin' on a, yeah. that was on Guitar right. Hero. I was gonna like, say that's a weird Guitar Hero choice. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. No, Trippin' on yeah. So straight, so let's go straight from Slayer into Lady Picture. Yeah, let's go Priest, Painkiller, <laughs> right into right. Lady Picture Show. Yeah, I don't I don't know. This is like up there for me. This is up there for me in the fit. It might be my favorite. If pressed like this one, adhesive, Trippin', like they're all like. They're all awesome. So yeah, I don't know, man. I love it. It's a great song. Great song. Yeah, yeah. I agree. It's a fantastic song. It was definitely the song that kind of made me... Like, maybe it's track order, because I certainly didn't... The first time I heard this was probably after Big Bang Baby dropped, not when it dropped as a single. And there was definitely... There was probably a few moments where I just skipped that track because I didn't want to reckon with how different that felt for what I was expecting out of this album but yeah it's an earworm that does not go away okay we did not talk about one song which was and so I know because it didn't make any of our cuts and I like the song and it's like a cool like it's probably one of the, the most different song on there just in terms of the sound it's like basically a bossa nova song essentially yeah which is cool I don't know why I didn't make my cut. I, I want. I needed to cut it down. It, I, I didn't love it enough. Like the yeah. songs I put on there are the songs that I think I absolutely loved and enjoyed. Same problem that I suffered from with a lot of these, which is that if it's on when it comes on, I'm definitely like bopping to it and I'm enjoying it. But there's so many good songs to choose from. Something's got to go. Okay, were these the yeah. right? Well, go ahead, Ryan. Go ahead. I was gonna say that in terms of tracking for the the primary album everything's in a great order that i really don't ever fuck with when i'm listening to it on my own it just rolls forward it rolls on repeat it comes to tracks that i'm like maybe more into in the moment that i hear it but none of them are tracks that make me want to stop listening to the album and move to something else and so i know is great it just didn't fit in my cut it felt like I was cutting it so slim that it was down to that and adhesive, and the moment it got down to that and adhesive, it was really a clear choice because adhesive is such a better, like, such a better Stone Temple Pilot song. The space they play in for Lady Picture Show, and so I know it's they do a fantastic job with it, but cutting it down to an SDP EP, it doesn't make my cut either. Okay, so... Were the singles the right singles? The singles were Big Bang Baby, Trippin' on a Hole, Lady Picture Show. Were they the right singles for this record, in your guys' opinion? I would say maybe Pops Love Suicide is the choice over Big Bang Baby for me. Mm-hmm. Trippin' in a Hole and a Paper Heart is... I, I That's probably the, the single you start with. I think they probably would have moved more units 
starting with tripping on a hole this, in a paper heart. This record for all the people that say, "Oh, it's their weird record," it's, it still went double platinum. I know yeah, it was yeah, the '90s. Yeah, yeah. I know it was the yeah, '90s, still, and basically, like you could like put put like a yeah. fucking hot turd on it on a CD and go platinum. Yeah, Big still, Bang, Big Bang Baby is good. Tripping on a hole in a paper heart is a different. It's a different STP. Big Bang Baby is a little bit closer to the purple sound, I think. Yeah. Other than that, I don't know. I think Adhesive would have been a really good single, but you've got to have these really good tracks that get buried in the album that you find when you buy the album. Same thing with Seven Cage Tigers. Would have been a nice single. It's really nice that it stayed, It lives on the album space instead of the radio. Yeah, I don't mind that any of those weren't singles. Like To me, the only one that I think maybe could have worked as a single would have been like maybe Tumble in the Rough. I think but, that, I yeah. don't think the verse lends itself well to a single. Yeah, that. probably not. Also, yeah, I think, yeah, Trippin' on a Hole, that's the one. That's the one that I think they still, because they didn't play a lot of these songs when they would go on tour afterwards. So I think, but that one was the one that they would play all the time, like after the fact. And I think, and that's the only song that I remember from this record. It's the only one. So I think that probably says something. I don't disagree. I don't disagree with these choices in general. I think those are probably the right choices for so, radio. From your cuts, I guess we all have tripping in a hole in a paper heart, so that's essentially what we would release as a single on our mm-hmm. cut. I, yeah. I thought I was going to go somewhere, and then I realized we had just covered that. So <laughs> now no, that's fine. in it's the luck of a bad idea. That's okay. Yeah. Do you guys have any specific emotional memories with this with pieces? We've talked a little bit about Jenny, you and Ryan's like connection over this record or whatever. I don't have anything because I barely remember it. Is there anything like specific or anything that like you can recall uh, a moment in time associated with a song or anything? This no. would have came out for me at the time where I was between moving between places. So maybe this was yeah. I don't have anything directly. Toma, I'm sorry, I interrupted. No, I was just gonna say that there are there are definitely no shortage of songs or albums that like I associate with an event or a situation or things like that. But this one in particular, I guess, just probably happened at a time when there wasn't shit else going on in my life. <laughs> I, I suppose. I mean, yeah. Just saying that, like, when I my own and and I'm grateful for that now that I don't associate it with anything um, especially something like shitty or negative because now like whenever I hear this or think about it it's always I just always associate it with that was a great fucking album that I really enjoyed and I still do and I'm glad that there's nothing no other baggage to it honestly yeah Right on. You know, yeah. I like sometimes there are songs you listen to and you're like, oh, it's such a good song, but like now I just associate it with some asshole. It's, it's so full of shit the way I felt when I was listening to that so intently. What was I? <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah. I Great. dig it. Yeah, and I agree. I think that the point that I made about adhesive earlier about being like pensive still feels okay, adult pensive. Oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Not too self indulgent, more reflective. Yeah. Yeah, I don't have any. I don't have any traumatic events. I don't have any. I also don't have any amazing, great things that happen aside from listening to this album. Okay, your rating out of five stars. This one's actually getting a five for me. Five stars. Five stars. I, I'm gonna go with. I'm gonna go with that as well. Like five in stars. Terms what we, in terms wow. of what we've listened to so far, this is the album that. We could never have done this, and I'd still listen to it just as hard as I listened to it. Like, 
once every three or four months it comes into rotation and it stays in rotation for a few days and mm -hmm. usually heavy rotation and that's probably never going to change at this point that what is this 14 years later and i'm still like this whole album is dude great you, you wish it was 14 years later my friend <laughs> 24 years that's <laughs> hard I, whenever I do these star ratings for all these albums, sometimes I feel bad because there are great songs on albums, but like I also, I'm very militant about if there's songs that I skip, I take that into account in my point total. Yeah. And the fact is I just don't skip songs on this. I don't, I can't take any points off. Yeah. I'm going to give it, I'm going to give it four stars again. It's like my third consecutive four star rating. The four stars because... There are there there is a song I really don't like on this. There are some songs that I think are fine, but the reason I give it four stars is because I think the songs that are good are great, and also expand my understanding of what they can do, what they did, and like to me, like the outcome for me of this is like, yeah, STP. They were a pretty fucking good band. They were all right. They were pretty fucking good. It's it wasn't that I didn't They're think that exactly. It was just like. Like, of all, all those bands, there were a ton of those bands that had some good records and that we grew up with. I feel like they get lost in the shuffle because of all the drug problems Scott Weiland had, because they had, like, number four is, like, not a good record. But there's just, like, a bunch of them, a bunch of things that... Their own self-inflicted wounds. So, but, like, to me, like, this has elevated my opinion of the band. Four stars. Good. I, I will Great. say, with Stone Temple Pilots, there's... I think my memory of number four is a little hazy. I love Sour Girl. I think that there were others on there that I was fine with. I'd have to go back and re-listen to it to really give a, a definitive anything on it. But I, getting back into, maybe we can get into this maybe in the after party or whatnot, mm -hmm. but Talk Show's album ended up being essentially the B-side for this album, just because it was everything that didn't get on this album made it to Talk Show. Mm -hmm. And then they also, as I was telling Lewis before we got started, later on did an, an album with the lead singer from Filter under, I think they were called Army of Anyone, which I really liked. And I can't tell you off the top of my head right now what year it was, but it was, you know, what up? Like, I'll have to look it up. It was... I think it was after 2010 for sure. It was probably like 20. Yeah, they, yeah. And then the other thing I didn't even know was like apparently, um, guy who killed himself from Lincoln Park was also a singer in this band at some point. Yeah. Chester yeah. Bennington. He was. I think he was on one of their albums, like sung for one of their albums and toured with them for a while. Um, yeah. But so, I'm not familiar with whatever they did with Chester. I'm going to have to look that up because I have no recollection of it. But my point is that they they had an era with Stone and per or with uh, Purple and Core that I loved. But they also had this era of being weird as hell, which I also loved. And yeah. then they made a whole other album with a different singer that I loved for talk show. And they did it again with Army of Anyone, which I also really... It's really good. And... I think that's something I would be very hard-pressed to say about most other bands, that they could do so much for so long that I still really legitimately enjoyed. So, yeah, one thought I had with the DeLeo brothers is, like, it's crazy that two lead singers of this band, like, are dead. Yeah. That's nuts. Oh. In, 
in no way seems to be the fault of the DeLeo brothers. Oh, no. No matter how that sounded, we're not. Well, I just have. Dean DeLeo are absolutely. No, I'm sure they're very cool and definitely not. I'm not implying. I'm not implying murder exactly. But I think it's just. It's crazy <laughs> that has happened to them twice, only because I feel like those two are so chill and so grounded and so about their music that it's just yeah. that they somehow keep getting matched up with these people who are unfortunately torn in other directions. Right, yeah, no yeah. doubt. Yeah, and, and maybe this is, maybe that's like me not paying close enough to rock journalism to catch the drama that revolves around the DeLeo brothers, but I don't think so. Like, mm. they don't seem to be really they don't even seem to be involved in the drama that the people that are in the band with them are involved in they seem caught up in it at the worst moments and completely apart from it at at other times like there was never a like stone temple pilots heroin thing that that felt it was always just scott scott weiland was yeah that's right yeah that's right and the DeLeo brothers, they still made fantastic music around it. Just it's yeah. incredible. Just side note, I was like trying to think, hey, I should make maybe make a mixed drink for this show that was like somehow themed like for Stone Temple Pilots and I was like I I don't yeah. like I can't make I like a heroin spoon. I can't sure. yeah, I was gonna say I can't make a heroin drink. Like I don't know what am I supposed yeah. to do here? Yeah, right. <laughs> You have to cook the sugar before you add it. To the Dude, I don't know. I'm just saying. Man. I'm just saying. Okay, did we do it? I think we did it. I think we did it. I think that's, we I fucking think did it. That's the thing. That's the thing.